Welcome back to episode four of the Shooting Bricks podcast. It's been a very interesting week for all of us involved, I would assume, but we're back and something is going to be dropping this Friday, which Jarrell is excited to talk about. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo and joining me is uh, Mr. Daniel Wynn and with me today it's your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Sells. With everything going on, I know there's a lot of talk about the MLB season, and I just want to start off with that because it's one of the more confusing things that we've been talking about these last few weeks. And basically, I'm going to sum it up the best way I can. This entire saga between the MLB and the MLB Players Association in three words. What the f***? It's a shit show at this point. Yeah, there's been so much news coming out that I don't necessarily know what to believe. And Drill, I know you don't watch, you don't follow baseball all that often. So with everything that's going on with, you know, the MLB Players Association and MLB not getting a deal done, they're going behind each other's backs, doing all these dirty tactics to try and sway public support. As a non-fan, what do you think about all this? In, in the wise words of Mr. Daniel Wynn, it's a show. <laughs> you sent us an article about baseball, giving us an update on everything. And it's, it's crazy to see like how they just rush to get information out without coming to an agreement or getting everything aligned. Like It seems unprofessional, in my opinion. You see the NBA, okay, they sporadically throw out little hints here and there. But with baseball, it's like, oh, they're just throwing out garbage. Like They're just throwing up. And nothing is getting done. It's not positive. It's not moving towards a solution. It's still creating a problem. There was a report this morning saying the players and the and the league were coming close to a deal. It turns out that was false. So that kind of shows you how this process has gone. Things are just getting out of hand. Story after story is getting leaked. And no one knows what's really true and what's not true. This is exactly the opposite what's going on with the NBA where it's, it's a unified effort, they're leaking whatever they want to leak, and it's a smooth process. Here, it's it's utter chaos. No one trusts each other. This is going to have brutal effects on the sport, and I'm going to go on a limb and say, baseball may never completely die, die, die. I'm predicting it will eventually become as irrelevant as NASCAR. The sport has fallen way behind in the 18 to 34 demographic, uh, behind their basketball, football counterparts. Soccer has actually been competitive with baseball in its demographic in recent years. The 18 to 34 gra- demographic is a very important demographic because that tells your future. And baseball's future isn't good. And it's not worth have no exposure. Baseball can't afford that right now. They need exposure. It's bad. I was actually watching a KBO game on ESPN, which have been a steady reminder that baseball can be played in 2020, even with everything going on. So just watching those KBO games, excuse me, is such a breath of fresh air because you see all the pitchers and the hitters, they seem really happy even with no fans. But there's a point that I want to get to with all the leaking going on, right? Daniel, you mentioned how we don't really know what's going on. Yeah, we, we know nothing. Yeah, and with that, because of how the situation is playing out, one of the main reasons why the MLB and its player association is having such a difficult time trying to come together on one singular deal is the fact that the owners are claiming that they will lose $4 billion by playing without fans, but nobody really knows what the numbers are because they won't open their books, they meaning the owners. 
And which is mysterious. Very mysterious. And because of that, once the CBA ends in 2021, that could lead to either a lockout or a player strike. And with all the flack that Commissioner Rob Manfred's been getting, because I think last Wednesday he said that he was 100% confident that there would be a 2020 season. But then after, I think on ESPN, he seemingly walked back those statements saying he wasn't confident at all anymore. And after Trevor Bauer, a Cincinnati Reds pitcher, called him out on it saying that the fewer regular season games they play, the less money the players would get. But the more postseason games they play, the more money the owners would make. Trevor Bauer called Rob Manfred on that. And once all the players started to rally against Manfred, MLB released, I guess, this memo that some players and personnel actually tested positive for COVID-19. That report came almost, I don't know, a few hours to a day after the players started rising up against Manfred. And so this entire saga is just very confusing. And today, June 17th, the MLB proposed another deal with the MLBPA. And there's not necessarily any any news on that. The MLBPA said that any agreement on a deal was false, and I don't really know what to believe at this point. I have to say this. I actually don't think the owners never really wanted to, to play the season in the first place. A, a report came out, it was like a few days back, saying that there are actually reportedly 68 um, owners in Major League Baseball that actually don't want to play the season, and I think that's been the case all along. And this whole story kind of strikes that these owners are blind. They're they're focusing too much on the short-term profits. Like, these owners need to understand, like, what's worse? Like, losing a couple billion dollars now or eventually losing your whole sport to complete irrelevancy later on? The owners just don't get it. Like, they don't know. They don't see the tsunami that's on the horizon if they don't start playing now. That tsunami that you mentioned, it's going to be not just in the form of a tsunami, I guess it's like a whirlwind too, because if and when this season gets started, the fans that were lost because of all the bickering, especially amid a pandemic, they're never going to get those fans back. And I also saw on Twitter somewhere that the demographic of baseball fans that I think go to the games, they averaged about 57 years old, 52 to 57 years old. That's in itself a disaster. Right, because you're trying to get this new generation of baseball fans. And Daniel Kim of the KBO, well, not of the KBO, but he covers the KBO on ESPN a few nights ago, said that the entire world is waiting for MLB to come back. And when he spoke, Daniel Kim spoke with Rob Manfred during the All-Star Game in Cleveland, Manfred said that MLB is a globalization game, right? But what they're doing is the opposite of that. They are closing the game off because, as stupid as it sounds, because of money during a pandemic. Who knows what the future of MLB will be, but I don't know. I I honestly don't think that it could recover from this, yeah, in a while. It's going to be something that, it's something to keep an eye on to see how MLB progresses from here on out. Jared, guys, Jarrell, there's something interesting thing I need to bring up. If you look at ESPN's top 100 most famous athletes in the world, only one baseball player cracks that list. Do you know who that is? I would say Mike Trout. No, no, it's Bryce Harper, and he's ranked in the he's ranging in the mid 90s. I checked two weeks ago, so that that just tells you how 
baseball is unable to capture a young audience. And you pointed out like the median age of a ba- the average baseball viewer, the last I checked this statistic, was 53 years old. If you're that trying could, to grow a game, that is not the way to do it. Right. Like a 53-year-old person who's most likely male, that could be your typical suburban dad. That, that, that means the kids are not watching it. No matter what the dad tries to do, the kids just don't want to see the game. I mean, there's got to be changes in the way baseball is played or else, like, again, the sport risks the, the impact of total irrelevancy. It's, it's it risk of becoming another NASCAR, another boxing, just the old elephant in the room. Let me ask you this, G. As someone who falls between that 18 to 32 age range, right, the demographic that MLB is trying to appeal to, with everything that's going on, are you more inclined to watch them or do you feel like this is something that is dissuading you from actually putting down the time and actually watching it? Absolutely less time into watching it. <laughs> like I said before, it seems unprofessional, you know? You're a major league in the United States, and to see that you're not able to come to an agreement to give the fans what they need, to give your league what it needs, it's very disappointing, very discouraging. I'm not even a baseball fan, but I know of people that really go for go hard for certain players, certain teams, and really are into baseball, and to see that their sport isn't able to come to agreement is wild. And just to like piggyback, just to connect it to like video games, I don't, I don't know many people that are purchasing MLB The Show if that's still out. <laughs> so, I mean, I immediately play it. Are you enjoying it's it? It's not a bad game. No, are it's you, a, it's actually one of the better sports titles out there, but yes. All right, so to say that the video game is better than the actual sport you're watching, that's, that's pretty bad to me. <laughs> if this is going the way I see it is going, and it's I think it's inevitable that the season gets canceled. I'm afraid the days of baseball being considered a major sport in America are are numbered. It's this is this is about to go the way of horse racing, NASCAR, boxing, you name it. it it's it's about baseball is about to become the the very definition of past time, like in the past. So it's it's gonna be it's about to become a forgotten relic. So I mean, it's it's up to the big to the MLB owners to decide what what we're gonna do from here on out. It sucks, but there's nothing that us the fans can do. But something we can do as fans is tune in to watch the NBA because if you guys haven't noticed, the NBA it's coming back and it's coming back quick. There's been a whole lot of NBA news, so I I don't know really where to start, but uh. Yeah, Daniel, you want to fill us in on what we can expect or what NBA players should expect, excuse me, when they head over to Orlando once the season starts? Uh, news is coming out that the that the complex these players are, uh, are coming into is it's literally going to be like a resort. So the it's being expected that the complex will feature player lounges, NBA 2K, like arcade centers, barbers, places where you can get a manicure of all things. Uh, 24-hour VIP concierge, movie screenings and DJs, and you can go to other players' games. Hey, they're they're pulling all the stops. They're even going to feature like on-site mental health officials, as being reported by Bleacher Report. There, there's also going to be an anonymous hotline for anyone that's breaking the rules. So, guys, like they're they're pulling all the stops here. It's it's like it's like going to vacation for these guys. Yeah, and I feel like if the time away has done anything for them, it's 
to show that MLB is messing up, but you know the NBA has a proper chance to make it something that we've all been missing, right? The NBA, they do this better than any other sport, maybe except the NFL. They know how to make a TV product, and this comes to show that they, they know what they're doing. And I think when it comes back, it's going to be a monster in the ratings. I mean, there's a risk that they're taking uh, competing directly at, with the NFL once they come back. But I think this is a clear example why the NBA has been built to succeed while Major League Baseball has been built to fail. The, the NBA has a focused vision, and they know how to bring that vision to life. Yeah, yeah this, this is awesome. Oh, go ahead, G. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were. I was just going to say, this is awesome. It's giving me a feel, like you said, like a vacation, but also like, like, I don't know, like a college feel. I, I don't know why, but like it, it, it's bringing a sense of like childhoodness back to it because they're given an option of watching the other game, other teams play. And this is perfect. Like you, it's supposed to be something enjoyable and for the players that are risking their health to play. They need all those extra stuff. And I know we're going to talk about like money issues and whatnot, but just to, to hear all of that, it makes me excited because if I was in that position, I would love to be a part of this. This is the benefit the NBA gets of being a player's league. And when you give the players power, you inevitably create superstars. And that's that's what ML Major League Baseball has struggled. The, the owners and the players have frankly have had, I will say this, an abusive relationship over the years. And it goes to show, I mean, baseball has struggled to create superstars, and this is a clear example why. Major League Baseball has failed to take care of any of its players to a solid extent, while the NBA has always tried to make their players feel like family. So, I mean, I applaud the NBA's, NBA doing for this. They're trying to be as inclusive for their, for their players as, as possible. Right, and one of the things that I want to touch on is, G, you mentioned how these players are putting themselves at risk, and... Speaking of risk, that ultimately means we have to talk about COVID. And I'm going to make this very brief, just just so it's out there. But NBA teams are going to start testing for COVID on June 23rd. And any player that doesn't want to play has until June 24th to tell their team. I'm, I'm going to get to that point about a player not playing in a little bit. But I've also read how... Jason Tatum, Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, and De'Aaron Fox actually asked the league for financed insurance to protect against any career-threatening injuries they may sustain in Orlando, according to Woj. So it just goes to show that these young players, maybe they're, what, 24 24 and younger? These players have this grander scheme of things that this is going to be a weird season, and it's going to be one of those things where they have to look out for themselves too. I mean, playing in front of fans or playing for fans is great, and playing the game they love is great, but at the same time, they got to take care of themselves too. I mean, I think this is a completely smart move by these players. I mean, this is, like you said, Jer, it's an abnormal season. And you, again, they're putting their, player, their health at risk. And they're not only they're putting their physical health, they could be putting their mental health at risk as they're away from their family. And especially they could risk injury. I mean, this is not like a typical season where you're going out, going around playing in front of like eighteen to 20,000 people. You're... You're going. You're taking your body into like a neutral position, just to play basketball. So I completely understand where, where these players are coming from, and I think it's good that they're trying to protect themselves. Absolutely, and it's great to see this from the the future of the NBA. You know, they're they're giving that leadership 
they're getting a chance to showcase their leadership. And it's crazy to think that the older players weren't the ones to say this first, to have this come out. But like Daniel said, the NBA is the best uh, major league sport in the United States. And it's showcased in things like this when their players are able to unite and go for the better, you know, come come for the better with their health. So, yeah, that's good that the NBA is offering that and giving them that choice. And I know a lot of players are probably – not going to want to play, but then that gives you the opportunity for the free agent signing, right? Yeah, and G, you touched on players uniting, and that's actually a great segue to this next point. And I'm sure you guys have seen, but some players have vocalized their concerns about the NBA making a return. According to ESPN, Kyrie Irving stated, quote, once we start playing basketball again, the news will turn from systemic racism to who did what in the game last night. It's a crucial time for us to be able to play and blend that and impact what's happening in our communities. And gee, you brought this up in the Google Doc, but I think that he has some points. And it's interesting because he is a player that is not playing this year. And (laughs) he can say those things. He can choose not to play because obviously he's not playing anyways. But you have to take into account also he's making 30 $33 $33 million this year, while players like Austin Rivers, they make about two, two and a half, maybe even less. I understand where Kyrie's coming from, but at the same time, they can play, but also make an impact in their communities through their play, if that makes sense. I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, look at what Colin Kaepernick did during his protest. He did that while playing. So while I do, I absolutely see where Kyrie is coming from. The attention on the George Floyd uh, murder and the prote- the protests have like proceeded after that. That attention should not be overlooked ever until there's there's proper change that comes through. But at the same time, you could spread your message while playing basketball. And plus, there's a risk. It's it's risky because if you you were to stop this from happening, that's that will be totally disastrous for the uh, collective bargaining agreement, and that could. That could be bad news for the, for the league, and it could be uh, bad news for the players that play in it. Kyrie Irving is in a position to speak for those that don't have that voice as well. We have to factor that in. Not only is he a, a black man, he's also the vice president of the National Basketball Players Association. So he's not just speaking for himself. And I keep, I think we keep blaming him like he's just speaking about himself. No, he's speaking for the players that are coming to him. He's the He's the face. He's the voice. So... Obviously, I believe that this is not only a concern for him, but for the league. I agree with with, with what he is saying, but not fully, not 100% where we're not going to have a season. It's, it's going to happen, Kyrie. Sorry. Like you guys said, they can use their platform still to fight this. Just to give examples, I know that the media is controlled heavily anyways, regardless of what the f*** we do. It's going to be controlled. So Absolutely. how about... How about during our interviews, like post-game interviews, instead of us fully talking about basketball, I know it's going to get uh, – people are going to get upset, but you got to keep shoving this down people's throats, all right? We're, we're still going through a crisis. I know I just posted 25 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I'm talking about LeBron James, of course, because we're going to win a championship. Uh, although I did that, I want to tell you that Black Lives Matter. I want to tell you that I'm more than an athlete. You got that platform. You're still going to have that. There's still going to be media coverage there. This is your time during that time, during the game, halftime, after the game, before the game. Continue to talk about these issues. Let it be known that I'm still playing basketball, but I'm still thinking about this. And I'm still 
wanting to be a part of the movement to 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 make a change. And on the outside looking in, Kyrie Irving could still be that voice and that face to continue to spread that message. And you guys just work together. We don't have to completely shut down basketball for us to continue to move forward in this movement. I understand, but I, I completely understand what Kyrie Irving is saying, though. Uh, in in some ways, you can even get more attention to your cause because, as you as we all know, the NBA is like arguably the second most popular sport in America and sec the second most popular sport in the world. And the NBA is a, is just all around a massive brand. So to do it, you could use the the spotlight of the NBA to spread awareness about this issue. Yeah, and going off of that point, according to Sham Sharania of the Athletic. He actually posted something that the NBA posted, and the statement reads, A central goal of our season restart will be to utilize the NBA's platform to bring attention as and sustained action to issues of social injustice, including combating systemic racism, expanding educational and economic opportunities across the Black community, enacting meaningful police and criminal justice reform, and promoting greater civic engagement. We are in discussions with the Players Association to develop a comprehensive strategy on how the NBA, its teams, and players can best address these important social issues and uniquely position our league to drive action and create meaningful and generational change. I think that's amazing, and it just it just gave me a, a thought, and I know amazing is my word of the day today because I don't know how many times I said that. But the NBA, no offense to Kyrie Irving, is a bigger platform than Kyrie Irving by himself. So instead of trying to shut it down, how about use that platform? Like like you said through all all of what Jared just said, the quote he said, use it within the commercials. We've we've seen it throughout the years when things have happened in society, the NBA focuses on it. We see it through our NBA cares commercials. We see it through we can't breathe commercials. Things like that. The 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 gear that these players wear, continue to promote it. Use the NBA they use you. Why not? You? Why Why can't you use the NBA to promote what we need to promote? And, and it's not like you have a commissioner that is not willing to do that. So instead of going against it, not saying that his quote is completely going against it, use it. Work together. Unite. That's what the NBA is all about, right? Yeah, I absolutely. mean, absolutely. The NBA has a massive platform here. And like like what Jarrell said, why not just use it? I mean, it is. it's true. Like, Kyrie Irving, with all due respect, has a way smaller platform than the NBA itself. If anything, the NBA is driven by LeBron, and LeBron says he wants to play, and you know Patrick Beverly said he wants to play for what that's worth. So I think yeah, he sent out a tweet, didn't he? He said, if "LeBron said we playing, we playing." <laughs> yeah, basically. So if LeBron says something, chances are Adam Silver is probably going to have a pretty close eye on what he says. So. Yeah, I'm just glad that the NBA is back, quite honestly. But before we move on to the next topic, I don't know if you guys saw this, but according to Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News, Kyrie said he wanted to start his own league in a group message with members of the Brooklyn Nets. Hmm. Kyrie is free to express his own ideas, but I mean, admittedly, this is kind of a blasphemous idea, and especially from Kyrie, who's a notorious flat earther. So, <laughs> I mean, helps I mean, him with the like, skills, bro. I mean, uh, I, I guess he can try to form his own league, but like, good, good luck, good luck competing against the M- the empire the NBA has become in the last 20, 30 years. I mean, all free will to Kyrie. Uh, is it going to work? Hell, hell no. It's not going to work at all. 
I mean, the um, big three worked, so. That is true. Kyrie Irving is out there, man. I, I think, honestly, some form or matter, it possibly can work. He's not like It's not like he's trying to dethrone the NBA. If anything, what if he makes... I mean, I get, that, I get that impression. I mean, like, why are you starting your own league? I don't know if it's to compete. I think it's just an idea that he has. I don't know... I don't know the logistics of it. Obviously, I don't think he does either. I think it's just like one of those things where he just decided, you know what, I might say this and I'm going to see what people say and I'm going to gauge on what I do based on what they say. I mean, look I mean, at LeVar Ball. He did it. He had an idea and he's LeVar Ball. <laughs> he's not Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, I know offense to LeVar Ball, Triple B's, where they at. But um, Kyrie Irving has more pull. He has connections with NBA players, coaches, yada, yada. I'm thinking more of a, a league that's for the players. Like, you know, we see videos of these NBA players uh, in that gym. I don't know what the name of the gym is, but you've seen the videos on Twitter. James Harden, Trey Young playing against other basketball players. Or we even think of like the Drew League. Something of that matter manner would be cool, I think. What if Kyrie Irving is trying to uh, create a league for all non-playoff teams? This will be so inclusive for everyone. Like, I think this will just be great. I all mean, right. if if we're going to talk about alternative leagues, I mean, or create another league, I would support, like, creating a league for um, players coming out of high school to serve as an alternative to the NCAA. I would, I would definitely support a league like that, but... I actually, I hope that I actually hope a league like that ever like someday comes into existence because I don't like the NCAA. But that's another that's another conversation. I just don't know what Kyrie's trying to. Uh, I don't know about the G League, but but anyways, I at the end of the day, I I don't know I don't know what the I don't know what Kyrie's trying to poke at here. I mean, the G League well, I mean, growing though. It's growing, but it's uh. I don't know. It's players getting paid a little bit more. Players getting sent there for developmental purposes. Uh, it can be. Then they just signed uh, two of the highest like high school prospects. I I see improvement. Don't knock it. G League is it's been improving over the last ten years for sure. I mean, I I hope so because like personally, I'm not a big fan of the NCAA college basketball. Like you know, as over the years, the product has has watered down since uh, players are are doing one and dones. I want the G League to one day like supplant the NCAA as the premier place where uh, rising um, basketball stars go and take their talents and showcase for the NBA teams to look at. Yeah, I agree with you. And yeah, I do too. But the thing with Kyrie, we've known he's out there, right? Just like his shoes, they're kind of off kilter a little bit. But he's the, the weirdo. Main... Of the, he's the weirdo of the league. But they still nice though. Yeah, yeah they're still nice. <laughs> you can't knock him for that. But I mean, we seen weirder. We seen Dennis Robin and Michael Beasley. Oh yeah, Dennis Robin <laughs> takes weird to a whole new level, folks. Uh, Kyrie Irving just opened his third eye. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, open his third eye. But with all this talk about leagues, just to steer things back a little bit, with all this talk about leagues, we got to give props to the WNBA because they're pl- they're going to be paying their players. 100% of their salary despite playing a 22-game season instead of a full 36. So props to the WNBA for doing something that the MLB can't do. Good job, uh, WNBA. Props. Yeah, definitely props. I've been a long advocate of women being treated equal as the men, and I think this is a positive step forward. 
I agree, and I'm glad to see that they're getting their full pay. I didn't seen some tweets because I follow Skylar Diggins uh, responding to the people that are bagging on the WNBA, and it's just crazy. I mean, they deserve it. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to be negative at all, but they're not getting paid as much, anyways. So why should it even be a problem that they're getting paid fully now with this season, modified season? And I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I will be watching these games. LA Sparks, let's go. Same. Yeah, hey, same here. Is, is Sabrina Ionescu, is this her rookie year? Or yes, is she yes. playing? Dude, like I like she she is fascinating basketball and she's gonna be a wonderful addition to the sport in general. So I mean if if there's one person I wanna watch and wanna watch play, it's it's her. Yeah, and something that you brought up, G, is how Skylar Diggins was talking, basically rep- responding to all those people that were saying these mean things to to and about the WNBA. And I just want to make it clear that the people that are saying these nasty things to WNBA players strictly because they're women, I don't necessarily understand that because these players are better than 99% of the entire world. And exactly. I don't understand where that mindset comes from that just because they're women, they aren't equal or better than men in some capacity. But these women, it's a great thing that they're getting full salaries because they honestly deserve it. They are, they work just as hard and they work probably even harder to be better than the 99% of other athletes to be in their position. You hit the nail on the head, Jared. I mean, what you said, I don't really get these people. Like, I, I want to see them challenge these women on the basketball court and see what happens. Uh, some people just don't know what they're talking about sometimes. Yeah. You have any thoughts, G? Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not trying to like compare it, but it's just what's wrong with society. You know, just like how, we, how society wants to kind of turn their head away from racism. Same thing with how they want to treat women. And it's crazy. Like you said, I agree with you. A lot of these women in the WNBA are awesome, and to compare, and and majority of the people that are talking, majority of the people that are talking are the people that don't do shit, that be sitting at home, tank tops on, belly bigger than I don't know what, and I'm calling all of them out because them motherfuckers, something wrong with them, and they can't do shit anyway, and they mad because they can't get no 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 strong, beautiful basketball players like these WNBA women, because a lot of these women, man, they can hoop, and they bad. Okay. Okay, that may or may not be true. Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not fair to them because they're putting in the work, they're putting in the the hours, the sacrifices, and they're still seen as second rate athletes. And that should change, and I hope it does change because as a society, like you said, it's holding us back. It's not doing us any favors, and it's just making everyone look bad. So, just to switch gears a little bit, G, you want to talk about this because. Um, you and Daniel are the NFL experts, and I just want to get your guys to just go off on this uh, question. Why is Cam Newton not on an NFL team right now? Man, I'm asking that question. I'm really, like, baffled right now. Honestly, this question, like, it, it came out because I was I was looking at uh, videos on Twitter uh, with Cam working out with players. And I know it's just a workout with one wide receiver or two. But to think that a quarterback that brought his team – to the Super Bowl, I know he probably had a couple off years, but Cam Newton is not the worst player in the NFL. 
And to see that he is not on a team still till this day is baffling. What in the world? Daniel, how you feel about that, man? I mean, for better or worse, there are also factors coming in. He's he's had his struggles with injuries in in recent years. And also, for better or worse, I think I said it twice now, but <laughs> he's been he's kind of he's kind of been perceived as a locker room trouble and he didn't really do any any favors when he had that towel over his head when he lost Super Bowl 50 against against Denver. So I think that's why teams have strayed away from Cam. Look, I don't know Cam. I don't know how he is in the locker room, but I get I get the feeling that's how he's perceived across around the league. So I mean that I think that's why that's why teams are so hesitant in, in signing a, a quarterback that's prone to injuries and he's perceived as a locker room issue. All right, so I understand last season he only played two games, and the season before that he missed two games. Now, if that's factoring in as injury prone, I don't know what to tell you because now this is sounding similar to how people perceive my quarterback as an Eagles fan and saying Carson Wentz is uh, injury prone when in, in reality he hasn't missed that many games. Now, to say I'm not even saying Cam Newton gets a starting position. I'm saying he's not making an NFL team. I don't care what the fuck is going on. How is Cam Newton not on a roster? Not even as I think a, a backup quarterback? I agree. He belongs on an NFL roster, but there are like other problems I, we, we just don't know about that are preventing teams from signing him. Th- these are the owners we're talking about. I can see that being true, but I mean, with every every player pretty much has something going on with them, whether it's injuries, whether it's a mental thing. Uh, ben Roethlisberger didn't get cut off his team for his alleged rape accusations, right? So for yeah. somebody that's a, 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 a problem, quote unquote, a problem in a locker room, I don't I don't feel like that's a reasonable reason <laughs> to not have him on the team. <laughs> Michael Vick had problems. As soon as that motherfucker got out of jail, he got on the team. He was beating dogs. And the Eagles signed him. <laughs> and he was out there balling. So why the f- are you going to tell me because Cam Newton got anger issues? Because Cam Newton want to say something to me in the locker room? Because Cam Newton doing this, doing that? He can't make tea, f- all that. What What is he doing on the field? And I don't feel as if Cam Newton is that bad. He is not a Jamarcus Russell. He is not that. So I definitely think he, he belongs on the team. But we, we got to also remember Jarrell. I mean, he hasn't been exactly been the same since that 2015 season. I agree. In fact, he's kind of he's kind of fallen off. But nonetheless, he still belongs on the NFL squad. And it, like I, I share your confusion, Drell. I just don't understand why he's not on team at this point. And I think a team like the Chargers, the Chargers should, Chargers, should Lions, the list should, could go should, on. They should actually, in my opinion, consider signing Cam Newton. I will. I mean, this is kind of crazy to say. I even think the Raiders should consider signing a person like Cam Newton because, you know, they've been talking about shipping Derek Carr out in, in the last five years now. I agree. The, the Raiders would benefit from having him just even as a backup, just in case Carr does get injured. So since we're talking about injury prone, I'm not saying Carr is injury prone, but he has missed a lot of games in, in throughout his career as well. So we just named a list of teams that can use his services. I think the Lions can use him. I think the Browns can use him. Just to have him on the team, it's crazy. It's baffling. I mentioned the Raiders because, like, they've been questioning whether Derek Carr is the guy, and like they've been they've been considering trading trading away trading him away for a couple picks so they can get that future QB. But why not get Cam just in case, like you know, they they take Carr out, Cam steps in a little bit. So that's I why I mentioned that's why I mentioned Las Vegas. I agree with you. I I totally agree with you. 
with all this being said, I'm sure you guys saw what Roger Goodell said about Colin Kaepernick, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So for those who haven't seen, he basically said that he supports and encourages teams to sign Kaepernick. And so with the inherent confusion about Cam Newton's position and why he's not on a team yet, I just want to ask you guys, do you, who do you think is going to get signed first, Cap or Cam? I'm going to have to say Cap just because let's – I mean, I hate to be the cynical one, but let's be honest. The team who signs Colin Kaepernick is going to get a lot of good PR out of this. So that's why I think Kaepernick is going to be signed. There's potentially less baggage actually with Colin Kaepernick because the, the, once he gets signed, that's good press for the team that signs him. With Cam, uh, the, the problems he – locker rooms may perceive cam having are still more fresh kaepernick less so it's been a couple years since they blackballed him yes since they blackballed him so it's more of a plus now to bring him on the roster i believe that cam newton gets signed before kaepernick unfortunately why because cam newton's been in the league he was on the team last year and like i said last podcast it's so difficult for teams, people of high status, of course, to apologize. And to sign Kaepernick is to apologize. Like, okay, we, we know we were wrong. Okay, you deserve to be on the team. And I know that sucks. Now, I think Colin Kaepernick will get a workout before uh, Cam Newton. He will be able to work out with a team. He will get a, a quote-unquote tryout. But necessarily being signed, I'm not too sure. I think Cam Newton ultimately gets signed before Kaepernick. I think Jarrell, like you got to remember though, like PR is is a lot, especially in the National Football League, and I I just think the PR the PR rewards will be too much for any team to ignore at the end of the day because like like I said before, the team that signs him gets a gets a lot of good PR. The, in the team process. that works him out gets a lot of PR in the process. But signing him is is even a step further. That get that's like the ultimate PR. That's the on. end. But you're still but gonna get me, uh... you're still gonna get hype just for inviting him to camp. Even if he gets invited to a training camp, there is going to be coverage on it. Right. And let me just uh, butt in here real quick. When was the last time he actually played in an actual game? Eight years. Man, it's... 2016, right? Seven. An actual game? Because I thought he was uh, he was in the league in 2016. Correct me if I'm wrong. Around... It was like... That was, a, that was around the time he... Like, he was basically kicked out the league. 2016. Yeah. yeah. It was... It was like the season right after Harbaugh got fired and they bring, uh, they brought in Tom yeah. So there's a point that I'm trying to get at here is that there's being in shape and then there's also being in game shape. And he's four years removed from his last game in the league. So how effective could he still be, right? Like, yeah, he, he may have posted videos of him. I think it was last season or a few years ago where he was doing like a workout and he was, you know, he was showing off his arm. He looked fine. But at the same time, how can that translate to being in the game, if you know what I mean? I mean, I think there's going to be a huge adjustment phase. But like even then, there there is a benefit of signing Kaepernick in, in the room. I mean, just because you're not starting doesn't mean your presence in the locker room is bad. Kaepernick could easily be signed like by a team like Arizona. Can come in, in there and be like a good veteran presence for like a Kyler Murray. So that's that's another reason why you would sign him. I mean, presence alone could be helpful, especially for like a younger quarterback. I, Depends I, on the situation. 
Yeah, maybe Miami too, That's right? why I think this is their concern. Like you said, he's been out of the league for four years. That'll be your concern if he's going to be able to come out and produce. That's why I'm stating that he's going to probably be signed to – he will probably be on the practice squad. He will probably be there for workouts. But to, to just come off the bat and say, like, tomorrow I'm going to sign Colin Kaepernick, I don't know. That's just – I feel like that's outrageous. I feel like the NFL hasn't done anything spontaneous like that where they're just going to – especially regarding Colin Kaepernick in a positive manner where they're just going to turn around and sign him without a workout, without seeing how he's going to fare against NFL competition after those four years removed. Cam Newton, on the other hand, has been on a team last year. So it is more likely for him to get signed since he's had that experience and has been consistent within the league. Get what I'm saying? I mean, I, I completely get you, but I just think from a PR perspective, there, there could be a benefit. There, I think there's a major benefit in signing Kaepernick. Yeah, but PR doesn't equate to win, sadly. So we'll see how this entire saga plays out. But I, I would love for a team to give him a chance, even though I don't really watch football all that often. But it's, it's a gamble. It's very much a gamble at this point, and who knows, right? Right. And speaking of gambles. It's time to talk about the PS5, and it was revealed, and it looks different. Ugly. Like a router. Very futuristic. Yep, it looks like a router. We had futuristic. It looks ugly. It looks like a router. There are very different things going on there, so you guys want to delve into your thoughts on how the PS5 looks? I was about to say PS4 there, but... Remember as kids when they would make futuristic drawings of, of consoles... Like, you know, the Xbox 720. Yeah. Like, it was exactly like that. I mean, I don't really... I mean, I'm neutral on the design, but it, it, I, it <laughs> was like a router. Uh, that's... You're neutral on the designs? <laughs> so were they. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, we want to just have big things. Big things, right? And... I, I don't know. I feel like the PS4 design was just amazing. I don't know if I'm just being biased because I have the God of War edition of the PS4. So I'm just looking at this thing right now and I'm just like, it's beautiful. So I'm not too enthusiastic about the PS5 anyway. I'm not going to get it anytime soon. So just... I mean, sorry to interrupt, but like the, when I look at the design, I don't like that the fact that it's 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 not it's not horizontal like the, the past yeah. version. It's vertical. So that's gonna like that's gonna take that's gonna take up space True. on your TV set. Like I don't I don't like that at all. So let me just butt in there real quick. I think I saw somewhere that you can have it standing up or lying flat. So that is a thing that it can do. Okay, I mean, I just I just don't like things that are especially consoles that are like vertical like that because that takes unnecessary room on your. Uh, like they really house, like you know? showed us this and was yeah, like this and... this is this is nice. They really had that mindset that this system looks cool. That's crazy. And okay, to be fair though, the white and black color scheme with the blue lights, that looks pretty sick. It's just that the design sucks. If they had it on another platform or another console, at least a better looking console, I think that would be killer when it comes to the quote unquote console wars. But the fact is they put that color scheme on that thing and it just looks off at least in my opinion i'm gonna go out and live and say like whenever think about playstations and the their the iterations i think of the color black 
I mean, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I don't like the white color, especially on this type type of system. Like, I I definitely would have proved that they just they just stuck to the traditional black, uh, the color we've been uh, accustomed to like our whole lives, basically. Or go with like that weird beige off white color that the original PlayStation came in. I mean, that was a nice color too. Yeah, it was. I I'm just. I don't like it. I don't like the design at all. And in f***ing Xbox is a like, what is that? A big ass box? <laughs> a shoe box, bro? Like what it what, what what was the the creative process? Like they just threw some stuff together. Like it's not cool. I don't know. Uh about console designs. I mean, I don't know how the Switch is perceived in terms of design, but I've always been a big fan of how the Switch has been has been designed from the onset. I've like I have a Switch at home, and like I, I've always marveled like how it looks. It's, it's so, it's so consumer friendly, and it's, it's gamer friendly at the end of the day. Yeah, Switch design is great, dude. Like, it's, it's colorful, and it, it, it's all around. It's slick, and it fits well in your home. And it's, you can do, you can do it. You can bring it, bring your Switch in so many different situations and settings. Absolutely, it's an amazing console. So amazing yeah. that I lost it a couple weeks ago, but I found it. Um, speaking of Switch, y'all remember the PSP way ahead of its time? Oh yeah, man, my dad gave me that man. The, you know the first game. You know how I got into soccer? It was because of the PSP. My dad gave me a copy of FIFA 05, and I couldn't stop playing it. Just like I was, I was in all, and then and then that led me to watching soccer on TV. Manchester United. Hey. I remember late June two thousand nine. My mom brought me to a t- to a Best Buy, excuse me, and we picked out the Rock Band edition of a PlayStation Portable three thousand. And three thousand is the model number, by the way. And I remember for that the time that I had it, I spent countless hours and countless amounts of money, to put it simply, just buying games for that one friggin thing and it's sad that it's no longer around it's not supported but yeah that thing was way ahead of its time uh, i was just gonna say believe it or not when i was younger i wanted to play in the in mlb i wanted to be a baseball player and i actually played the little baseball games on the psp alongside with the nba street games but so psp ultimately fueled that dream that never prospered but yeah so psp awesome system maybe if they would have came out with a newer version of the psp now i'll be a happy camper because going back to the design of this ps5 trash <laughs> i mean that's a deep sigh Jarrell, like remember like the handheld that came out after vita? the ps the ps vita PSP go? Vito? PSP. vita i don't know oh, there was like, a go there was really, a go to that didn't really, when you're making handhelds, like you want those type of like you know things, those type of gaming devices, they're they're meant for a consumer market, and you know, like those handhelds, they're not really meant for the for the hardcore gamer. So that's why they kind of they kind of stopped doing it. But I do admit, like I I I miss playing the PSP. It was it remind it remind me so much of the childhood, the fun times. Right. And speaking of the fun times. I'm just going to get into a little bit of the uh, the minutia of the PS5, if you guys don't mind. So there actually will be two versions of the PS5, a 4K Blu-ray drive and a pure digital edition, which is going to be obviously smaller 
And Sony back in March said that the PS5 will support an overwhelming majority of more than 4,000 PS4 titles that exist today. To quote them, we're expecting backward compatible titles that will run at a boosted frequency on PS5. They can benefit from higher or more stable frame rates and potentially higher resolutions. Some of the PS5 exclusives, I'm actually looking forward to these. There's Horizon Forbidden West, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Grand most Turismo. Excited, sorry, most excited title unless I can't wait to grab my hands on it. Same here, same here. Grand Turismo 7, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Those are the PlayStation 5 exclusives that were announced. And then you kind of yeah, you kind of touched on it a little bit. G, do you have any of these Spider-Man games Spider-Man Miles that you're Morales forward to? as well. I was already an advocate for the Spider-Man that came out on PS4. Excited for it. Um, I'm thinking about trying out Horizon as well. Uh, uh, apparently, the, the Miles Morales game is basically a spin-off game, so it's not actually Spider-Man 2. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm excited about it. For the next Spider-Man game, I hope... Remember the Grand Theft Auto Five where you can switch characters? I hope they can bring that in Spider in the next Spider Man. Yeah, that'll be cool. I have a question though. That, now, are these are these games going to be released on a PlayStation Four as well? That they, have they have they haven't announced that. They said that these are PS Five exclusives, mm-hmm. so they might at a later time, but maybe towards the PS Four's life cycle. Look on the on the thing about backwards compatibility, like. Guys, like, there's been a lot of games I have never, I, like, frankly missed out on. So, like, I mean, I hope the, the PS5 supports as many backwards compatible titles uh, as they can because, like, I just want to catch up. So some, you're some purchasing the PS5? Like I mean, it's going to be, what, $600? They, 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 they said it's going to be $600? They they gave a price? I mean, I'm... I'm I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's probably gonna be like six hundred dollars. Jerry, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your stance <laughs> on it. I recently got a PS4, so I'm just gonna sit back and wait until it's three hundred dollars, maybe in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, or whatever. But yeah, I'm you know I'm fine with the Xbox. I'm fine with the PS4 that I have, especially considering that both those consoles, and you guys are probably gonna bag on me for this, but. Those two consoles, along with the 360, I actually bought Grand Theft Auto V on it. And I don't know if you guys saw, but Grand Theft Auto V got announced for the mm. PS5 again. You so, see, the, like, that's the enormous no. legacy of that game. That's Grand Theft Auto was like... Dog, I saw, no. I saw a tweet that, that said like a... between 2001 and 2008, there was like how many GTA titles that came out? Like five? I don't know. Six? And then from... Six, I think. I damn near and then from all. 2013 to 2000, I don't know what GTA 5. What the f- 21? Come on, bro. 21. Wait, they just started like production on the game, right? Like this now, right? This year. So that's the next yeah, GTA 6. Rumor. That's, I think, that's when are they starting? I don't, a lot of people were expecting, they should be starting at around now because people were speculating that when Rockstar announced that they were going to show up for Sony's PS5 event people thought it would be grand theft auto 6 but instead it's another version of so grand theft auto 5 they haven't so, even started on it but I'm, like the point i wanted to hey let me let me just make this point real quick and then i'll let you have it but the developers that created the initial grand theft auto games leslie benzies and dan hauser they're gone they left rockstar because of rockstar's 
practices that they just didn't agree with. And those were the driving forces behind Grand Theft Auto V, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Grand Theft Auto IV, essentially all the Grand Theft Auto games we know and love. They're gone now. So what does that tell you about the future of Rockstar and Grand Theft Auto? I don't know, but it's probably not looking good at this point. Did they work on Red Dead Redemption 2? Were I they there? think so. I think so, yeah. So that's kind of worrisome. So, I mean, I hope Rockstar can like go on without them. Who knows, right? But another thing that we have to talk... Well, not really talk about, but we kind of have to address it. We <laughs> we got a teaser trailer for NBA mm-hmm. 2K21, and Zion looks hella sweaty. Yeah, he looks sweaty. He's sweating buckets. Bruh, that's, that's it. Like, that's it. That's, that's all y'all gonna give us, bro? What the f***, yeah. bro? I, dog, I showed this, I, I showed this <laughs> to my brother, and it's this is wild. This is... Two K real comfortable for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly, that's honestly that's the most sweaty I've ever seen a two K player model like like ever sweat like ever like I've never seen two K player model sweat like that's sweat like that before. Bro was like playing basketball in a sauna, dude. And then the duck was weak too. Yeah, like it. It seems like he stopped like halfway through the air, and then he just was animated to go the last bit. On me. And then he threw it. He down. didn't even get up. Looks so he weird. Barely got off the ground. Like that—that's the weakest dunk I've seen Zion do. And then that breaks the rim. What? I'm <sighs> crazy. It's wild. Sheesh, man. Sheesh. But yeah, I just want to get to this last topic before we, uh, or last few topics before we sign off. But I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Xbox Series X has basically the same specs as the PS5 but with a larger GPU, a larger SSD drive too. And all Xbox One games and Select 360 and original Xbox games are compatible. So do with that information what you will. I mean, has the Xbox been reviewed? I don't think so. The Xbox One X? Yeah. It's not out yet. I mean, like I I won't judge it until I see an, I, until I see something. Uh I I would expect that big ass box to be able to contain a whole bunch of stuff. Xbox has always <laughs> Xbox has always been bulky, big, and known to do a lot of shit. But PlayStation is always, in my opinion, has been known as the gaming console. Xbox to me ain't the gaming console. I just happen to play games on Xbox. Right now, to this day, no offense to my Xbox One, for I use it for Hulu, Netflix. Disney Plus, that's what I use it for. I mean, I play, I play um, Saints Row the Third with Jared. But other than that, I've trans, I transferred over to PlayStation. It's, it's a better gaming experience to me. So I would expect the Xbox to have this. Shit. What else is in there? Stuff and things, I guess. I mean, Transformer, bro. I mean, you're getting this good. Transform in the middle of the night. Remember the Red Ring of Death? Yes. On 360, that's that's notorious. How the three the Xbox consoles have been systematically been problematic over the, uh, over the years yeah and with things being problematic i just want to kind of end this on a better note because we've we talked about a variety of things so i just want to end this on a high note but big congratulations to kevin love because he actually is the 2020 arthur ash courage award winner at the espies and he is uh he's been an advocate for mental health awareness and that's why he he won that award. So big congratulations to Kevin Love for winning. Got to commend him for that. He's, I think his pe- uh, the message he's spreading has been uh, has been positive at the end. 
Absolutely. It's necessary because not a lot of players want to speak on it. I remember there was a player named Royce White, which was like the all-around player, and he was mm-hmm. going through some mental health issues, so it's good. And it's 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 I'm glad that he has been acknowledged for this, having to deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And speaking from experience, because I watched the Cleveland Cavaliers play against the Boston Celtics in uh, December, and they got their ass kicked, and Kevin Love has to deal with all that, so... I'm glad that he won something this year. The Cavs are, frankly, one of the worst organizations in basketball. The one worser than them are the New York Knicks. <laughs> right. And <laughs> and there may be a game that, for people that are listening, there may be a game that is releasing pretty soon that's huge, but we will talk about that particular game next week. And with that, I just want to say, make sure to follow us on Podcast Bricks on Twitter, and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks Podcast. And with that, I'm Jerry Castillo. And I'm Daniel Wynn. With us is Jarrell Sale. And we will see you next week. <laughs>